Hey, Kiefer. The FC250 and the KTM250 SXF are the same. Super lame podcast, bro. A Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hi, guys and gals. Thank you for joining me once again. I appreciate the download and appreciate you guys pushing that play button. This is the one and only RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATV MC is the number one online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping. It's so easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for you guys out there. And don't forget, it's free shipping over 75 bucks. I get some emails about, hey, Kiefer, it wasn't free. Has to be over 75 bucks. So three-day shipping, free 75 bones. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Go check them out. 2020 line of gear is available. Everything is there. Whatever you guys need, helmets, goggles, boots, pants, jerseys, guards, hard parts. Holy crap, Fly has it all, man. They've come a long way. And in 2020, they have done a great job with their new line of gear. Damon Bradshaw wears it. What more do you need? The Beast from the East wears Fly Racing. So should you. Check them out, flyracing.com. And of course, our friends... Our bump stick lovers over there, Racetech, Racetech.com. You want to get your bump sticks freshened up, head over there. Email me, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. I will get you in touch with Chris over there at Racetech, get you guys a discount, and send you on your merry way for a more comfortable setting. Of course, guys, you know this. We talk about this all the time. Get your oil changed. Get your bushings changed. Fork seals. Do not skimp out on that kind of stuff. I would say for every 20, 25 hours, you should at least change your oil and your bushings. It's a good rule of thumb. Keep your stuff fresh. Your bike will love you long time. Love you longer. Pro Taper. ProTaper.com. Paul Parabunios, my fake news, my fake science friend. I still love you, but those bars are good. I will have to say that. If you guys haven't tried an Evo or a Fusion bar, I recommend doing that. You can check out any kind of bend that you think that you may want over on ProTaper.com. And of course, you guys have some trouble deciding which bend is right for you on your bike. You can head over to KieferInkTesting.com and read Handlebar Dimension article. It is awesome. Go check it out or simply email me, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com, and I will help you as well. That's what we're here to do. Thank you guys for supporting the advertisers on this show. It obviously keeps this thing up and running, gets me a little bit of money in my pocket, feeds Aiden, feeds Heather, keeps her happy, you know, 
Just trying to live this dirt bike dream as long as I can, guys. You guys know what it's like. All of us here listening to this podcast love dirt bikes, and these advertisers do as well. So support them because they support us in our little stupid motorcycle habit that we love so much. So thank you, guys. Well, we're back at it for another episode. This is the second one this week. Like I said, it is busy season. 2020 has arrived in full force. Bikes are out. They're in dealerships. We're getting these podcasts up. A lot of media outlets are putting their first impressions up on this bike. Of course, you know how we do it over here on this part. We uh, we lay it out. We have some fun. I give you a no-bullshit view of each machine. So in this episode, guys, we're going to give you a no-bullshit review of the 2020 KTM 250 SXF. For those of you asking, Kiefer, you just did a 2020 Husqvarna FC 250 pod. What the hell, bro? You know what? Kick it down a notch. Kick it down a couple gears. The KTM 250 SXF and Husqvarna FC 250 do have some differences on the track. For those of you guys that email me and say, which one should I buy? This podcast is for you. I'm going to give you a little bit of comparison from last year's KTM. And I'm going to compare both Husqvarna and KTM to you guys to kind of see which one is the correct bike for you. I know, man, there is a lot of you guys out there that just are really confused on which one to buy. And it shouldn't be that hard. Honestly, like, they're... They're a little bit different, but they're not that drastically different that you should be just racking your brain on which one to buy. Basically, there is a few things that we're going to talk about, and uh, you can hone in on those few things and see what type of rider you are and go with that bike. So today, we're going to talk about uh, just a first impression of the 2020 KTM 250 SXF because we only had one full day at Glen Helen on this thing. Again, I spent a lot of time on the 2019 version, spent a lot of time on the 2020, and now we're here with the Orange Brigade for um, the 250 SXF. So um, before we start, though, I'd like to thank Dave O'Connor from KTM. He is basically all of us in the media testing world um, go-to guy. He is the guy that brings the bike out. He's the guy that preps the bike. He, He ranges all these tests for us. He works his ass off, so props to Dave. He's a good Irish Irishman, and uh, as you guys know, I'm fa- I'm a fan of people. When you're a good dude, I can see it. And uh, Dave is just an enthusiast. He loves bikes. He actually he loves KTM's. He uh, he came here from Ireland, just trying to get a job in the industry. He was uh, he was a wrench for a little while. And he found his way over to KTM and now is in the media side. So a very cool story. He's a good dude. And uh, just want to give a shout out to him. And, you know, I like people that work their asses off and I show respect to them. So this is my respect to you, Dave. I appreciate what you do. And uh, thank you for uh, doing a great job for all of us media guys, not just me. I mean, he does uh, all the guys, MXA, Swap, Dirt Bike, uh, Michael Lindsay, he he takes care of all of our prima donna asses, so um, very cool. All right, guys, so let's get right down to it. For those of you guys thinking about buying a 2020 KTM 250 SXF, let's just talk a little bit about the engine. So I am a huge fan, again, as you guys know, of 
a linear delivery where it forces you to ride maybe just a little bit harder. Doesn't have a lot of excitement like a YZ250F. If you read my article over on PulpMX.com, that kind of tells you that. Between the Yamaha and the KTM, the Yamaha comes on harder, has more torque. The KTM has more of a linear pull, and then it gradually comes on and just pulls really far from mid to top. It pulls farthest in its class. I would say the KTM and the Husqvarna have the best top end and over rev than any other 250F out there. CRF 250R comes close, but for me, just the sheer torque and pulling power from mid to top to over rev, the KTM is excellent. Um, I actually recommended Eric from Works Connection to, uh, he's the owner of Works Connection, by the way. He actually uh, got turned on to get a KTM 250SXF this year, and he bought one, and he says that he really likes that power. He says it took him a little bit of time to get used to the low-end delivery because he was expecting to have a little bit more. But as the bike breaks in, guys, and it will take a little bit of time. It will take six hours for this engine to fully just relax, break in, and get some more RPM response and pull harder because it is a little bit tight. So don't expect to hop on this thing and just have it, man, why does this thing kind of feel tight? Why does it uh, have a lot of engine braking? Look, it takes a little bit of time. Give yourself some time to adapt, especially if you're just coming off of a 2018. It is a little bit of a different feel. 2019 and 20 are similar, but I have some guys email me about, hey, I'm, I just got a 2020 and I'm coming off an 18. It feels a little bit different. Uh, feels a little bit sluggish off the bottom. Give yourself some time. Just relax. Six hours. You have an hour meter there. KTM has those built-in hour meters that come stock. Use that thing. Right around six hours, hit me back on an email and say, man, Kiefer, you were right. The motor's a little bit relaxed now. I have some more pull. It's not so, uh, it doesn't have so much engine braking. So just know that it will get better over time. So like I said, the engine character pretty much is uh, is a smooth character. Just like its bigger brother, the 450SXF, it has a strong yet linear pull off the bottom. So when I mean this bike forced you to ride harder, I mean that you can get on the gas sooner with this engine character because it doesn't have so much hit. With a Yamaha, I seem to get on the gas a little bit later because I'm relying on the torque to get me out of the corner. Well, with this KTM 250SXF, it doesn't have that torque character like the Yamaha. So you roll on the, the throttle a little bit sooner, and that rear wheel is connected more than the Yamaha. I always talk about rear wheel connection and how that relays to the track and how that relays to you guys out there getting on the gas sooner. Well, that is a KTM's MO, straight up. If you guys are coming off of a Japanese bike and you're going on a KTM bike, you guys may be a little bit disappointed and say, man, Kiefer, it's not as strong down low. I expecting more at the bottom end. Well, listen to me. Try getting on the gas sooner in the corner and see how that works. This bike will allow you to do that. If you try to get on the gas sooner with a Yamaha, you may or may not pop out of that rut because of that torque feeling, that little snap, that RPM res um, response down low kind of unsettles the chassis a little bit and will pop you out of the corner. The KTM's delivery will not do that. Now, you could change the Yamaha's mapping to make it linear, right? Because they have the Yamaha power tuner. 
But stock form, this KTM lets you ride it harder. It likes that. It will reward guys that get on the gas sooner and pull you up a hill. For example, I'm going to give you a quick little snippet of my day at Glen Helen. I get on the bike. I ride it. We do photos, blah, blah, blah. And now I start my testing. Well, of course, Thursdays at GH, there's a shit ton of people. There's a lot of guys. Uh, Adam Inktonap, my homie, Seven Deuce Deuce, as you guys know him out there. Uh, he was out riding on his RMZ 450. I jump in front of him. I know not the right practice track etiquette thing to do. If you guys listen to that podcast, I basically screwed him on that. Uh, I'm on a 250. Big hills at Glen Helen. There is a, what they call Showy Mountain, if I'm not mistaken. You come down this hill and you make a 180 and you go back all the way up Mount St. Helens. Well, Intiknap is behind me, right? I rip the inside rut and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to blow by me up this hill. He's on a 450. Dude, I was able to get on the gas sooner than him, come out of the corner and pull up the hill. And his guy that he was working with, his trainer, was like, dude, your bike pulled his bike up the hill. He was freaking out. So without Adam knowing this, after we kind of like got off the track and we were bullshitting a little bit, he's like, bro, you know, Adam makes a nap, right? Bro, what do you have done to that 450? And I'm like, uh, what? He's like, dude, what's that 450? What's in that 450? I go, bro, it's a 250. And he lost his mind. He was like, what? No way, dude. No way. That's a 250? That thing is so fast. And I told him, look, it's all about how this power is delivered. When I go up Mount St. Helens on a Yamaha, yeah, it pulls it up. It goes up there fast. But I have to fan the clutch to keep the front end down. With this KTM, there's so much rear wheel connection that I do not have to fan the clutch. I can just simply roll the throttle on, go up, lean forward, and that front end stays down because I'm digging into the ground and going forward. Where the Yamaha is so quick and so uh, has so much RPM response that it wants to loft up that front end and I have to fan the clutch and I lose a little bit of momentum, right? The KTM doesn't do that. And that's what I'm trying to drive home to you guys. That's the big difference. Look, I love a Yamaha, but I respect the hell out of how KTM's engine delivery is. Another quick story for you guys, since you guys seem to like those. When I did this uh, XPR Motorsports uh, KTM 250 SXF project, that thing was built to the hilt, right? It didn't lose that stock engine character. So what I'm saying is it's still linear. It still has that linear connected power. It just had more meat, more torque, but yet it never really got so RPM snappy. It never went rah, rah, rah. It wasn't really just gnarly off the bottom where you're like, dude, there's things so – it's so exciting. It wasn't like that. It just had more meat everywhere. So that's what's cool. When you build these KTM engines – you're never really going to get a whole shit ton of RPM response down low. You're going to get more meat. You're going to get more torque. You're going to get more pulling power. But that RPM response, that initial 0 to 5% crack, is still what I call mellow compared to a Yamaha or even a, a Kawasaki. So I have grown to like that feeling. 
And if you ask some of these privateer guys riding the 250 class about engines, ask them about how much they love the KTM engine character. Because obviously they're building their engines, right? But yet it's so easy for them to ride that um, they can get on the gas sooner. So I like the fact that KTM has a linear power down low and then just runs like a raped ape coming from mid to top end, man. So it rewards faster, aggressive riders. But it also, what I think, what it will do for slower, maybe less um, skilled riders is kind of force them to get out of their little box and ride harder, which in return will make them a better rider because they're doing stuff they normally don't do. So if you're listening to this and you're a novice, try to uh, do try to input some of these things that I'm telling you guys out there. Roll that gas on a little bit sooner and watch how that chassis sticks and it'll lay down and it'll lay that power down and you will go through the corner harder and better than you ever have before. Just trust that engine character that it will do that for you. So that is what I'm trying to get across to you guys out there about this engine character. And like I said, if you're a KTM owner, throughout the range, 250, 350, 450, that engine character remains the same. Low-end linear power, and it just hauls ass from mid to top end. My KTM 450 SXF, that's one of the, the beauties of it because – it's so easy to ride, and people are so scared of 450 power that I recommend 450s to guys that maybe are less skilled because it's not that hard to ride. You could lug it around, and it's not going to rip uh, the handlebars from your hands. It's just it's just super easy to ride, guys. That's what I'm trying to get through to you guys. Um, what about the, the engine maps, map one, map two? I tried map one. Again, Linear bottom end feel, good mid to top end, but maybe not quite as good in the mid-range as map two. I like the mid-range meat of map two better. So basically, that's where I wrote it. I think most of you guys will like map two more than map one, simply because it has a little more, a little bit more mid-range to top end excitement. And I think for most of you guys out there that are on 250Fs, you're going to want that, especially off starts. Um, if you guys do want to switch to map one later in the moto, that's a great idea. I would suggest starting in map two if you're going off the gate. And then if you can, if you're able to, hit that map button uh, into map one. I will say that the KTM doesn't have the easiest way to switch maps. Uh, that map switch button where I try to put my thumb has a weird indent in it. So it's very tough to find uh, where I need to push down on that map. So just know that. And also the light between map one and map two is hard to read at times because even though map one is illuminated, you can still kind of see some illumination where it says map two. So you're like, what map am I in? So just know Map 1 is kind of like a white light. Map 2 is a, kind of like a green light. And uh, you guys should be able to decipher from there. But that's just something I noticed going from different bikes with map switches. That it's tougher to switch the map on the fly um, with the KTM. But I will say you are able to do that, which makes it nice on the KTM. Um, it's cool that you can do all this stuff while you're riding, you know. With other bikes and other machines, a couple years ago, you weren't able to do that. So 
and uh, it's nice to have on-the-fly map switch like KTM and Yamaha actually has that as well. So it's cool to see um, KTM kind of do that. What about TC? I don't use TC hardly ever on a 250F. I'll be straight up with you guys. I don't feel like I have enough power even to consider it because it is so linear and easy to ride. I don't even need TC on a 250F. I feel like they could focus more on a 450 TC and possibly a 350, but for me, 250, four-stroke, mm, TC is kind of a wash for me. So I don't really have that much to say about it for you guys out there. I just simply don't use it because I simply do not need it. Even my novice tester that wrote it, he doesn't need it. He feels like map one is sufficient enough and controlled enough for him. So just know TC's kind of meh, whatever. I'm I'm not really down with TC on the 250. Now what about the engine comparison between Husqvarna and KTM? The KTM does have a little bit more RPM response on low end, and it has a little bit more torque on low end feel. That is because of the airbox differences. Nothing in the engine is different. It's just volume of airbox and airflow. Um, is it that much difference? No. But what I do notice, and I will mention this, is second gear on the Husqvarna has a lot of engine braking. Again, the Husqvarna had less than six hours, just like this KTM did. But I will tell you guys, second gear engine braking on the KTM is less than the Husqvarna. Why? I do not know. I can't sit here and say, this is the reason why. I'm just giving you what I felt. Second gear engine braking less on the KTM than the Husqvarna. KTM does have a little bit more low-end to mid-range torque feeling and RPM response, a.k.a. slash recovery. Recovery is when you stab the clutch a little bit to get back in the meat of the power. Um, no matter what, Third gear roll-on in corners, if you're trying to use third gear in corners, both bikes do not like that. You can't run third gear in the corners like you can uh, Yamaha. So just know that you will use second gear, but just know that second gear is longer than a Yamaha YZ250F. It is more usable. Third gear is more usable on a Yamaha, but you'll just have to remember to downshift into second most of the time on the KTM. So just know that. Moving on to the suspension, the differences between the Husqvarna and the KTM suspension are that the KTM suspension is a little bit firmer feeling, has a little bit more holdup, and slightly less comfort than the Husqvarna. We ended up going to a 10.6 bar. We went up on the fork. We felt like it was a little bit too divey, um, just like the Husqvarna, I guess. The Husqvarna had a little bit of a dive feel to it, but... Where I feel like it's firmer is on the end stroke on the KTM on the WP forks. The Husqvarna fork just seemed like it moved all the way through the stroke and then bottomed out if without adding air. So you add air and it got a little bit better, but still I felt like the fork moved more in the stroke versus the KTM. The KTM, once air was added, it moved in the stroke less, felt firmer, and to me... For the way I ride, I like that feel. It is a little bit of a harsher fork than a Husqvarna. Okay, You will get a little bit of a harsher feel up front than the Husqvarna. But 
going to 10.6 bars and then backing out the compression a couple clips couple clicks excuse me will help some of that harsh feel uh, I had a couple guys try it and they said hey we want to slow the rebound down so we did we slowed the rebound down one and that actually helped uh, just basically when you're coming into a corner you want that front end to act a little bit calmer and usually when we had uh, we added air it just kind of was a little bit busy a little bit deflecty so instead of opening it up which I thought would be the right direction it wasn't we went in and slowed it down and actually calmed that front end down a little bit so if you guys are having some trouble out there with it diving, add some air. My test guys were 160, 170, 185, and everyone seemed to like 10.6 bar, backing out the compression, and then slowing the rebound down. That gave it better balance coming in the corners. Now the shock, 104, 105, sag, nothing's changed there. We added a little bit of high-speed compression to kind of help the in-stroke feel, similar to the Husqvarna, and then cranked in the compression uh, one to two clicks. I could do without two clicks. I was good with one click in stiffer on the shock and then going in a quarter turn on the high-speed. And then, honestly, I tried to slow the rebound down. I actually ended up opening it back up one click uh, faster, so softer for you guys out there listening. And with that, the bike was pretty well balanced. Look, Glen Helen is always really good for suspension testing. We always go there as manufacturer testing. When I go ride with manufacturers to try to improve their production bikes, we go there for testing anything, chassis and suspension, engine. Glen Helen's a really good testing track. It has hills. It has a lot of bumps. It's square edgy. You can find a setting at Glen Helen, most likely 80% of the time, your bike will be good everywhere else. So once we had this thing kind of dialed in, I didn't really have a lot of complaints um, in the rear of the bike on the KTM. More of my complaints was towards the front coming down hills where I was getting deep in the stroke and just a bit of a harsh feeling. Going stiffer honestly just exacerbated that feeling, and obviously I didn't want to go softer and have more dive. So... Again, it's the air fork way for me. I'm not completely sold on the air fork. Is it good for 75% of the consumer? Absolutely. Um, I just feel like when you really want to push and really want to go fast, I'm just not an air fork guy. I'm out. I would go to a spring conversion fork or I would go to a cone valve fork, which we will be testing this week. I'm going to go out with WP this week and test their new exact fork. And there's Super Tracks Shock. That's really tough to say, by the way. Super Tracks um, Shock. So I'll be testing some of that. It is pricey, but not as pricey as some of the other A-Kit stuff out there. Um, I'm not saying that's what you guys need when you get this bike. I'm just saying if you are at a high level and you do push, um, the Air Fork just isn't up to snuff for me um, versus putting some spring coil springs in there. And a lot of you guys ask me, Kiefer, what should I do? Should I get a cone valve? Should I get a spring conversion? I'm going to be able to answer that for you with, with uh, <laughs> a clear eyes and full heart here next week. I'm going to try a spring conversion, and then I'm going to try a cone valve and really try to separate them and see which one is better for the price that you're, you know, the money that you're spending. It's tough, right? I get it. 
No one wants to dump $3,000 into a fork and have minimal improvement. We're not about that life over here. So suspension, not a lot of change from 2019. If you're a faster guy, you will like a KTM suspension better than the Husqvarna. If you're a little bit less skilled and uh, more of a smoother type of guy, the Husqvarna stuff is better. But regardless, both sets, Husqvarna and KTM, are soft. Just know that. You will want to go up in air pressure. Unless you're my kid's weight and you're 120 pounds, then I would suggest obviously going down. But if you're an average guy, 150 and up, you're going to want to go a little bit stiffer. Again, give the time give the time allowed to break in the suspension. It will take six to eight hours to break in this stuff. If you feel like it's firm, you feel like it's harsh, relax. Just like Frankie said, relax. Chill. Relax. Give yourself some time, guys. I have to swallow here. I'm trying to go all crazy. Six to eight hours is standard issue for WP stuff. KYB, show up four to five hours, a little bit longer on WP stuff. So relax, take your time, do it up. How's this chassis, Kiefer? Chassis is easy to ride, guys. It's, it's a good blend of straight line stability and good cornering. It lays down the corner nice. Do I have a ton of front-end traction? No. Why? Because of the air fork. We've gone over that. It does lean into corners nice once in there. If you guys do get on the gas sooner, this thing will stick better in corners. If you guys are hesitant mid-corner with the throttle, it will want to stand up. Again, try to adapt your riding style a little bit differently when you hop on this bike. Get on the gas sooner. Your bike will lay down easier. It'll stick. It'll keep the lean and you'll be able to roll your corners faster, a.k.a. faster lap times. Wow. So this frame, this chassis feel, isn't the best chassis feeling. I'm not going to sit here and say this thing is the ultimate chassis. It's a good blend of both. It turns well. It has good straight line stability. It doesn't do anything funny in the chassis area. You just know that that air fork is going to change throughout the day. You're going to have to know this. It's not the chassis. Unlike a big bike where you're trying to maybe get less rigidity, I do not feel that way with this 19, or I'm sorry, with this 20. The 19 and 20 do take some time to break in again with the chassis. It is a firmer feeling chassis. When KTM changed this chassis, the AKA frame for 19, it does take some time to break in. Here's another little tidbit for you guys. The 2018 frame, once you put a lot of time on it, anything over 50 hours, it felt clapped out. The bike felt loose. It felt long. It felt like it was wallowy. I have put over 50 hours on the new generation frame on this KTM, and it's better. It doesn't feel clapped out at 50 hours. So I don't know if that's one of the reasons why KTM firmed up this frame. I'm sure that's one of the reasons, but just know... Steel stretches more than aluminum, and in the 18 frame, it stretched quick, and it was soft, and it, the whole bike just felt super wallowy after 50 hours. This new generation frame does not do that. So I approve of this frame. I actually like this frame better. I know some of the rumors out there with the TLD guys are like, dude, I want to go back to the 18 frame. Yeah, of course they do, because they have brand new 18 frames they can keep swapping out after every 10 hours, and of course, that's great. But us normal dudes, we can't do that shit, right? So we want a frame that's going to last us a duration of the time that we own it. 
and to firm up this steel frame is something that KTM needed to do, period. If I could have got a... If I could have got a new frame after every 10 hours on an 18 style, of course, I would rather have that. But that's not real life. So having this stiffer frame is actually better for the duration of the time that you have the bike. It does corner better than the 18 frame. I do like that. So this bike will lay in the corners better. You can start your lean sooner. It does feel light. The bike does feel light. And... uh yeah, so when you guys ride this bike, just know, um, get on the gas a little bit sooner. Give yourself some time to break in this frame. And I don't notice as much vibration in this 20 frame as I do the 18 frame. When I first got on the new generation frame, I thought that it maybe was going to vibrate more. Well, some of that vibration goes away when you put some good bars on it and get rid of those piece of shit neck and bars that are on there that come stock. Go to Pro Taper, you'll get less vibration. The bike will feel just a little bit more solid feeling and honestly uh, have more comfort. So um, I personally like the chassis changes that KTM made for 2019, and then they rolled that in the 2020. So I have zero problems with this chassis. It's a fun chassis. It's a stable chassis. It gives you some confidence. So uh, just know that it'll take some time to break in. Stop. Drop. Put them up shop. Commercial time. Time. It's commercial time. Discount codes. Cheaper prices. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Listen to these commercials. Thank you. Thanks to the guys over at 60 Helmets. That's right. They're on board with the KieferInkTesting.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 60Helmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 60 helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job it's advanced ODS technology. It's race proven. I'm telling you guys. And it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 60 Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 60. So please, guys, go check them out. 60 Helmets. Hit me up. Tell me how you like yours, and if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 60. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike, Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff. Because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. 
They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out, bloodlubricants.com. The one thing that bums me out about racing moto is waiting around all day just to do two or four motos. I don't want to be sitting at the track all day and have three hours in between my motos. Well, you know what? Old Timers Association has been around a long time, and the guys from Oregon Old Timers have come on board with this podcast and want me to talk to you about their series. Very cool series. I've raced them before. They have 20-minute motos, long motos. Usually you're done by 3 o'clock, you're in and out, you get to race, go home, finish your chores, spend time with your family, go do stuff with your wife, whatever it is. It's a fun, family-filled environment there. They have races all over. It's not just in Oregon. They have races in California, Glen Helen, Montana, Richland, Washington. They go to Hangtown. They go to Washington again in Washougal, which is very cool. And, of course, they go to British Columbia, Boise, Idaho, even Edmonton, Canada, and Fernley, Nevada. You can check out the series at OregonOldTimers.com, and you will even see me at a couple rounds this year. So check them out. ScreenPrintingDone.com You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business, and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end... Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com. Hey guys, go to fmfracing.com and save some money by using the code KEFER19 on anything FMF swag related. Hats, hoodies, t-shirts, all that stuff over there. You got to look cool when you go to the track. Go to fmfracing.com, get you and your lady some swag, be cool, stick an FMF sticker on a Ford emblem, do it! Key for 19, save yourself some money. Thanks, FMF. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. It means the world to me. Thank you. We are back with the show now. Carry on. One thing I did want to uh, mention to you guys as well, 
my test bike that I rode was really hard to shift from second to third gear. I mean, really hard. I had to get off the throttle and use the clutch all the way. And I had to pull the clutch all the way in and roll the throttle off to get into third gear. During the day, it didn't improve. Again, I will say that this engine takes six to eight hours to break in. But for some weird reason, I do not remember that being a problem last year. For 2020, man, I had a tough time shifting from second to third. So if you guys are out there and you're listening to this and you have that problem, reach out to me, Chris at Kiefering Testing. I'm just curious. I just want to see if this is a, a widespread deal or if this is just what I had or was I, what I was experiencing. But nonetheless, I wanted to relay that message out to you guys and see because honestly, this KTM transmission is the best transmission out there as far as shifting. Usually, you know, they use this company that's an F1 company and no one else uses them, right? And since they use them, the shifting has been immaculate, bitching, so easy. But my KTM 450 is not like this. The 350 wasn't like this, just this 250. So I don't know if this is just a, a singled out problem or you guys are out there feeling the same thing. But nonetheless, I had to really focus in on shifting when I was in the air because if I was wheels on the ground under throttle, the thing didn't want to go into third gear. So uh, I'm going to try to ride this KTM past the six to eight hour mark and see if it gets better. So if you guys are past the eight hour mark and you're still having some trouble, hit me up, let me know, and uh, fill me in. But uh, man, I had some trouble shifting from second to third on this bike, and I and I really didn't like it. It kind of bummed me out. Um, so just giving you a heads up on that. How about the Rider Triangle? I like I like it. Okay, and I'm hesitant to say that. Um, I like it a lot more when I get a different bar on there. Again, I go to uh, SX Race Pro Taper Evo bar, a little bit higher bar, flat bend still but a little bit higher, a little bit more rise than this neck-in, super flat, super low bar. I don't mind the low bend. Honestly, don't. If I could raise the mount up 5 millimeters, I would be happy with that bend. I just need a little bit taller of a bar so when I stand up in corners, I'm not so straight, like my arms are not straight, almost locked in. I want my arms a little bit more bent, so getting a little bit more rise slash height really does help me here in this aspect. So try an SX race anywhere between 5'8 to 6 foot-ish. This should be a good bend for you guys. I leave uh, the mounts in the stock position, go with that bar. It's up to you guys to go with the clamp-on grips or not. I mean, I've come accustomed to it because all these bikes are coming with them now, but I'm still a glue-on type grip guy. And honestly, I know Pro Taper's a, a, a sponsor of mine, but I love a Renthal half waffle grip. I love it. I mix match that shit sometimes. I'll run a Pro Taper bar and I'll run Renthal grips. So hate it, if, hate it if you want. I just think Renthal half waffle medium or soft grips, that's just my jam. I just really like that. When you put a half waffle Renthal soft grip on, it dampens a lot of vibration as well because that stuff's so nice and gummy feeling. I don't get blisters, and they don't last long. They will get ate up sooner, but, I mean, it's 10 bucks, 12 bucks, right, for some grips. So I'll just buy three or four sets and change them out as they get worn out. But 
Um, I really like a half waffle soft grip on this bike with the Pro Taper bar. And then my rider triangle is pretty nice. This seat is way more friendly than a Husqvarna seat. That Husqvarna seat eats my ass up. Um, the KTM seat lets you manscape the night before in the shower and will let you go riding the next day without eating your ass up. You won't have to spackle your ass with bag balm as much as you will riding with the Husqvarna seat. The Husqvarna seat has spikes, like little spikes everywhere. I'm like, what in the hell? Husqvarna, redo that seat. Put some ribs in or something. Get rid of the spikes. Holy shit. The seat on the KTM has semi-decent grip, but it will go away after some you break it in. Like uh, around 10 hours, I don't get a lot of grip from the KTM seat. Do yourself a favor. Go to Guts Racing or whoever you guys know that you guys like the seat. Get a ribbed cover and... Consider yourself lucky that you're not on a Husqvarna seat because that thing will eat your butt up. Um, the foam itself is pretty good. It will break down over time. I'm just giving you guys some durability facts here that I've known for a while. 15 hours or so, that foam will break down, and you'll start feeling the seat base. So just know that you can go to an aftermarket firmer foam, get a different cover, and um, it'll last a lot longer for you. Another thing that we tried that I want to mention is the airbox covers that KTM offers. So when you buy your KTM, you get a left side airbox cover with holes, and then you get one without holes. So for shits and giggles, we tried going to the airbox with holes, right, and get more, you know, obviously more ventilation, some more airflow to the airbox, aka maybe getting some more horsepower. Well, we tried the airbox or the air, the left side cover without holes. And honestly, I got more RPM response on low end without holes. Super weird, right? I had my other guy ride it. Didn't tell him anything what I thought. And he went out and he's like, man, I like the cover without the holes better on low end. Now, the cover with holes pulls better on top end and has a little bit more over rev. But if you guys are looking for some more low end, some, some added RPM response slash um, recovery feeling, go with the left side airbox that doesn't have holes. When you go to a dealership, make sure you get your extra side cover. If they don't give it to you, yell at them. Well, don't do that. Don't yell at them. That's, that's my bad. Don't yell at them. Just ask for it nicely. Hey, man, you guys owe me a, side, a left side cover. So uh, just know when you guys get to the dealership, that comes with your KTM and Husqvarna. Husqvarna's side airbox is a little bit different. It, the holes kind of don't make sense to me on the white bike because they're up high and they're pretty narrow. On the KTM, they're thicker, they're wider, they're, they're bigger, and I feel like you're going to get more airflow. But, hey, interesting enough that we tried it and you got some more low end with no holes. It's just not going to breathe as good up on top end. So, um for those of you guys who want some more RPM response, do that. Put the side cover on with no holes and enjoy. So final thing I want to touch on right now, you know, um, again, I get the, the question asked, Kiefer, what would you buy, a Husqvarna or KTM? If I was in the market for a 250, simply put, I would buy a KTM because of engine delivery and suspension. 
Right. Could I change the suspension on a Husqvarna, which I probably would do anyway? Yes, of course. And I would be happy because I would put stiffer stuff on it. I'd get it valved for my weight, and it wouldn't make a difference. But if I'm comparing apples to apples, I'm picking them up off a dealer floor, and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to ride it. Which one would I rather have? That would be a KTM just because of the engine character and the suspension holdup. And honestly, (laughs) this is going to sound super lame. My favorite color has been orange since I was like five years old. So I love the color orange. I wish KTM would bring the rear fender back that was orange. Have a full orange bike again with an orange frame. Holy crap, that looks sexy. I love it. I'm into it. The Husqvarna looks beat down quicker with the white plastic. Especially when you're gripping, you have black marks all over the white plastic. The KTM doesn't show up marks as much. So... Uh, to me, the KTM looks a little bit fresher over time than the Husqvarna, but just by a nose hair, I would pick KTM just because it has a little bit more low end and the suspension is a little bit firmer, uh, simply put. The Husqvarna has a better bar, uh, to me, honestly. Uh, I think uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable sitting on a Husqvarna than I do um, a KTM, but in this world, in the 250F world, Power is king. Power is everything, right? So you want to go with something that pulls and that will get you from point A to point B the quickest. And between the two, I feel like the KTM is capable of doing that just by a hair. But either way you go, man, we're very lucky to live in a time where you can go buy a Husqvarna and a KTM and they're good. Uh, When I was younger, that wasn't an option. If you were a KTM guy, you were buying a KTM simply because it was different, not because it was better. Now you buy a KTM because they're actually really good, and they're probably, if not the best bike out there. I'm a big fan of great motorcycles, no matter what color it is, and I have to give it up when a manufacturer steps it up and has a great dirt bike. I mean, you will ask other manufacturer reps or test guys, and they will say, hey, man, The orange bike is a really good bike. There's some aspects that they don't like, but there's a lot of aspects they do like, and they try to implement those into their own bikes when they're testing. So just know that a KTM is a baseline machine for a lot of other manufacturers out there. And trust me, I know. I've been a part of it. So uh, kudos to KTM for making a great bike. So we will continue to... Put some more time on this thing. We'll get you some more settings. We're actually going to get you down to the click. That's right, the click of where you need to be. This year, we're going with a one sag setting for three riders. Try to get you a baseline setting, and we will have baseline settings up on keyforinktesting.com soon for every single motocross model. Holy shit, what an idiot I am for creating so much work for myself. But... If it helps you guys out there and then you guys are going to use it, I'm down to do it. It's worth it for me. Um, I like it when I see you guys at the track. You're like, hey, man, I tried your setting. I love it. When it comes to ECU map, suspension, uh, I, I love testing, guys. That's what I get off on. I love trying to make things better and then relaying that message to you guys. And then you guys telling me, holy crap, that is awesome. That's worth it for me. That's the payoff. I really like it. That's why I started this company because I love testing. I love tinkering. I love thing, making things better. I love bullshitting. I love talking in this microphone and speaking dirt bikes to y'all. It's just it's fun, man. I, I just really enjoy it. So uh, um, 
So yeah, that's basically a KTM 250 SXF uh, wrapped up for 2020. That's the basic first impression of this bike. They did do a great bike. Another question I want to answer to you guys, what should I get, Kiefer, a 2019 or a 2020 KTM 250 SXF? I can save most likely every time I get these questions, it's about $2,000. There's a 2019 on a dealer floor, brand new, or there's a 2020. Which one should I go with? Go to 2019 and do yourself a favor and buy the 2020 left side airbox cover, and boom, you're good. Save yourself two grand. Do something better. You guys know where I'm going with this. Go get a Vortex Ignition, 800 bucks. Slap that son of a bitch in that KTM. Get an FMF muffler and head pipe and enjoy life. Fun. F-U-N. Ignition, muffler, KTM, good times. Good times. And it's going to be uh, uh, <laughs> a serious weapon in whatever class you're racing just with those two modifications. You get a Vortex, you get an FMF, maybe possibly get a map with some fuel. The bike's gaining three horsepower, and boom, you're just pulling up hills like who done it and having Adam Intignap yell at you because he thought it was a 450. Bro! Seriously, that thing hauls ass. It's good. So check it out. You can get that ignition with Chad. I've tried Chad XPR Motorsports ignitions. Very good. Um, honestly, they've been selling out of them, selling out a lot of them. So, um, you might want to get on the bandwagon and get them before they're sold out again. So, um, that's the, that's the angle that I would go with guys. Save yourself some money. Go with the 2019 over 2020. If that's the case, if it's only a matter of a thousand bucks or so, get a 2020, uh, you're getting some, some added benefits in suspension for holdup, maybe a slight more performance and a little less comfort for 2020. Um, but as far as engine, yeah, it's basically the same. You're not getting anything anything extra added to it. And uh, to me, also, I didn't touch on gearing. I like the gearing. If you guys really want to go into third gear in corners, go up, do the Jody, go up one tooth. That does help. Uh... I'm sure Jody would approve going up one tooth, but nonetheless, that will help you get in the third gear a little bit sooner. Will it really make you run third gear in the corners? No, but it can allow you to shift a little bit sooner coming out into third gear and having that sucker go down like a bat out of hell the straightaway. So um, I like the stock gearing for me. My other intermediate B-level guy also didn't have any problem with it. We talked about going up one tooth, but... For Glen Helen and the way the track layout was, we liked the stock gearing. So just leave the stock gearing. You can do little bits and pieces with the modifications. You can run that uh, rear axle back. You can go to Works Connection or Ride Engineering and get the axle blocks. So that left fixed axle block is removed. And that uh, axle will float a little bit under load when the shock is pressed down. That actually helps comfort. You guys can go back to all these articles and podcasts i've done with ktms we talk about that stuff there's so much information up on my website guys it's a testing website we don't talk about lifestyle stuff it's just straight up dirt bike shit that's all it is when you click around on my website that's all it is it's testing dirt bikes you want to know about your bike it's up there so um just go search around have a good time take some time and do that you don't have to email me so quick and ask me questions 
I'm sure a lot of that stuff is up on my site. But if you guys can't find stuff, you guys know the drill. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I am happy to help you guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It's always fun to do these things. We will be having some more podcasts, possibly another one this week with the Honda CRF 250R 2020. Next week is a Yamaha. And, of course, we have a KTM 125SX to talk about. Little 13-year-old boys moving up from 85 to a 125. That'll be a fun podcast with the family. So grab the boy, come in and listen. It will be a G-rated podcast. I can 99% promise you that I will not use a cuss word. Possibly every other podcast I will, but that one I, I can almost guarantee you that I will not. Also, big shout out to you guys for supporting my advertisers. Thank you guys so much. And uh, use the code 60. Helmets has a code. Kiefer19 saves you 100 bucks off anything helmet related on 60helmets.com. ATR1, ATR2. And of course, everything else that we supply over here, we try to get you guys a discount code. Unfortunately, we do not have a Rocky Mountain code. We will work on that for 2020, hopefully. So thank you, guys. I will see you in a couple days with some new information. See ya!